Today on the Beauty Business Podcast, we're talking about that uncomfortable topic that everyone wants to know about, but for some reason, we don't really talk about. How much money can you make as a beauty business owner? Or put another way, can you really have a million dollar independent beauty business? Well, today I'm joined by a very special guest who has literally been there and done that. Creating the beauty business you dream of doesn't have to be hard. It's all about mastering some basic principles and putting in place key strategies to give your business the strong foundation it needs to build from. Throw in the right mindset, the right systems, and being willing to stretch your comfort zone to boost those confidence skills and knowing how to promote and market yourself properly, and your success is inevitable. Problem is, that's not what they taught you when you were learning your skills. So that's what I'm here for. Welcome to the Beauty Business Podcast. With over half a million downloads, it's the number one podcast for independent beauty business owners just like you. Dedicated to helping you grow, to get the clients and the money you want without all the stress and the worry. And most importantly, without taking up all of your time. My name is Adam Chatterley, and I've been helping spas and salons all over the world to succeed for over 20 years. And now I'm going to help transform your business starting today. So what's new with you? Let me guess, going a little bit stir crazy, not being able to leave the house. Tell me about it. I went to the end of the driveway, my driveway uh, yesterday to put out the bins for collection. And I realized that that's pretty much the furthest I've been physically from my house in almost three weeks. Yes, it is still the time of lockdown. I don't know exactly when you're listening to this episode, but I doubt we're going to forget phrases like social distancing and flattening the curve and stay at home anytime soon. So yes, it is still the time of COVID-19. Beauty businesses, indeed pretty much all businesses, are still closed. Now right now, we don't know exactly when things will reopen, but we do know that that time will come. And that's why here on the Beauty Business Podcast, I've decided that I'm done with the worry. Now, there is still uncertainty out there. I know that. We still need to stay at home to save lives. This is a serious situation, but dwelling on it isn't really helping anyone out. So to get you over to my positive side of the fence, if you are still anxious and worried, don't forget that I've created a free downloadable action plan for your beauty business to make sure that you've got everything taken care of for your business, from money to marketing, from how to communicate with your clients to how to still generate an income throughout this lockdown period. It's my best way to help you deal with the situation right now cure you of that worry, that uncertainty as much as possible so you can start looking ahead to the future with confidence. And if you want to grab a copy of that, just go to beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash crisis. Okay. So that's where I'm focusing my attention, both for my own business and also for this podcast as well. Now, I do have to admit today's episode was already planned into the schedule, not for right now, but for a few weeks time, mainly because of today's special guest's own schedule because she had a huge event of her own coming up, which meant we weren't going to be able to record for a month or so. And we'll explain more about this in the episodes we go through today, but that obviously got cancelled because of this situation that we find ourselves in. And that meant we had the opportunity to record the episode sooner than we thought. But I initially thought that the topic that we were covering wasn't really something that was appropriate for right now. 
You see, we are talking about money, more specifically, how much money it's possible to earn as an independent beauty business owner. And I know there's a lot of people worrying and struggling with money just now. It felt a little bit off to be focusing on this subject at this time. But then with my new forward-looking positive mindset, I thought, well, actually, what better time to be talking about what is possible in terms of earning money either working on your own or working with a small team in a beauty salon, in a spa, in a skin clinic. Now, just back up a second here. The reason I wanted to do this episode in the first place was because many of my own coaching clients and students have said things to me like, you know, I know I'm never going to be rich doing what I do, or as long as I earn enough money to cover my expenses, I'll be okay. And for a long time, I just linked this to the fact that 99% of you guys didn't start your businesses only to make money. But more recently... I've been hearing this kind of thing more often, and I've realized that this has become quite a powerful limiting belief for a lot of salon owners. So I wanted to really address this. And to do that, I began a search for the perfect person to bring onto the show to talk about this. And I found her. Now, you may have already heard of Sheila Bella. And if you haven't, well, you are definitely about to. Now, Sheila is now a successful beauty business coach and mentor. She has her own podcast called The Pretty Rich Podcast, which you should check out. She has multiple online courses, including the Pretty Rich University for PMU artists. Plus, she has thousands, and I mean thousands and thousands of followers on Instagram. But before all of this, Sheila built a million dollar beauty business from scratch, starting out on her own with absolutely no formal business skills and no background in the beauty industry at all. And she did all this in just three short years. So I took it upon myself to set about socially stalking Sheila to get her onto the show to talk about exactly how she went from zero to over a million dollars in three years and to share that whole process with you lovely listeners. But rather embarrassingly, after I messaged Sheila to introduce her to the show and introduce myself to her, it turned out that Sheila had already messaged me several months ago and I'd completely missed her message. Oops. But the absolute pro that she is, Sheila didn't hold it against me and she agreed straight away to come onto the show and we've got her today to share everything with you. So sit back, prepare to be inspired with some real talk, some huge truth bombs as we share with you how to have a million dollar beauty business. So I would like to welcome to do it. Well, actually, before we get into that, I was just saying we've, we've coined a new term called pod swap. I don't know if this is a new thing. Pod swap. Uh, It's new to me. I'm not sure if this is a thing. Sheila came up with it. But I would like to welcome (laughs) to the show uh, host of the Pretty Rich podcast, Sheila Bella herself. Yay! Yay. So So this is step two of our pod swap. We just did you for mine. Yes. And then me for yours. (laughs) And we were very polite about it. And we started and neither of us said anything because we were like, hang on. Are we doing yours or are we doing mine? We do mine yours. So we just we just kind of went quiet for about 30 seconds until I think it was Sheila went, Oh, hang on a minute, we're doing mine. <laughs> this will all make sense if you listen to both of our podcasts. If you do, and you've you got should. excellent taste. Well done. Yeah, you absolutely you should. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Thank you very much, very much for being here. Appreciate oh, it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so I actually reached out to, to Sheila. Well, actually, no, no, no. You reached out to me ages ago and I completely and ignored did your message. I did reach out yeah, to you. It was very bad. Um, proves how little I actually know how to use Instagram because I think you sent me a message on Instagram and I didn't see it. Um, but then we did connect again, I don't know, a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, you Facebook. were... You were very nice and you said, oh, I did reach out to you before. You ignored me. Um, and 
but then you said, but we'll, we'll have to record in a bit of time because I'm, I'm absolutely, my head is absolutely in my event, which I'm organizing right now. And then this happened. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, are, we, are you talking about my event yes. that I, that I spent a year of yes. my life investing in financially, emotionally, physically, all of the things. Yes. And then, and then coronavirus happened the day before. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you were your yeah, social media oh, were like that your, one. That, that one, yeah. One. No, your your <laughs> videos on social media were literally you were in the rooms, literally like, and I want that there, and I want that there. It was like happening, mm-hmm. and then it just didn't. Did it? I know. Um, it's devastating, definitely. So it was. It, for those of you who don't know the story, I had this uh, event called the Pretty Ambitious Summit, uh, which was a, a, a combination of inspiration business strategy and networking for beauty entrepreneurs. Uh, and it was like, you know, like PMU girl power, you know, awesome. destiny stuff. <laughs> and um, I, you know, I created it to, you know, I created not to necessarily make money. I create, I put everything back into the event. I created it to serve um, my community and, you know, just, it was to me more about, um, an emotional investment. It was, it was more about serving than it was a financial, um, you know, gain for me. And so that, I think that's why it hurt more Yeah. because the day before the event was about to take place, I had my bags packed. The U-Haul, the U-Haul, a 26 foot U-Haul that we rented was loaded the night before my husband helped. And so did my whole team loading all of the decorations and the swag bags and the equipment into the U-Haul until like midnight the night before, you know, and then at four in the morning, the government of, um, uh, the governor of California said no gatherings over 250 People. And I was expecting 400 attendees. It was my first event. And um, I had to call it off. And it kind of felt like a miscarriage. And, you know, I'm a mother. I, I hate to even, you know, use that comparison because nothing could, could compare. I can't even imagine to losing, to losing a child. Um, but I, I guess just, you know, for, for description's sake, um, that's, that's the best way I can, you know, describe it because, in some ways, it was a baby. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you put, an, an you put your heart baby. and soul into it for a year. For a year, and then so it, it's so crazy to me. Still, I still, I'm still bargaining that it didn't happen yet. Yet, it's been postponed, not canceled. Mm. But yes. it's just, it's, it's, it's as if like I felt like I was running a race. You know, I've always believed in the American dream, and I felt like the pinnacle of my. American dream was going to be this event that I just felt so strongly about. And then at the very last minute, you know, when I felt like I was about to cross the finish line, somebody moved the line. Yeah. They're like, mm, not yet. <laughs> not quite going to have that yet. Sorry about that. No. And, and I have to say, rude, rude. The way, <laughs> the way you handled that on social <sighs> media was. It was inspiring, I have to say, because you went on, you you didn't put out one of these very bland email statements of saying due to coronavirus, but you went live like on Instagram and you just showed how devastated you were about it. And it was very brave. And I absolutely applaud you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's all I know how to do is, is to be myself. Thank you for that. But it's not (laughs) gone. It's going to happen again. Oh yeah. Going to happen. It's going to be big. It's going to be better. It's going to be amazing. So 
that's that's how we kind of connected again. And uh, and the yeah. upside of this, there's a, there's a positive to this. It means that Sheila was free and available, and I managed to snag her for the podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the events world's loss is my game, and everyone mm. else who's listening. So, mm. here's that's what sweet. I want to talk about today. Um, I wanted to talk about, so Sheila, uh, go and check out her website, her podcast. I'm sure you listen to her podcast already. If you do, um, you'll know a bit of this backstory. But for anyone who doesn't, just give, me, give us a little bit of a backstory into you, how you arrived at where you are right now. Okay. So um, I guess today people know me as a speaker, business coach, uh, celebrity microblader, you know, my thing is like, uh, I, I built a million dollar beauty business within three years. Uh, and I'm more known in the permanent makeup space. I'm also the president of the AAM, which is the American Academy of Micropigmentation. Um, so that's how people know me now. Right. Yeah. And I have my podcast and everything. Um, but I guess what people may not know is that uh, it wasn't always this way. <laughs> people don't know that, um, you know, I've had to, I've had to pivot several times. I went through a lot of ups and downs. I started out, um, serving tables at Dylan's Irish pub, uh, which is basically an upscale Irish Hooters. <laughs> yep. That was me. I was wearing a schoolgirl outfit where, you know, serving avocado fries and, uh, and beer. And, uh, I just, I had cleavage up to my chin. And when was uh, this? And, what what sort of time frame is this? 10, 10, 11, 11 years ago, about okay. 11, 12 years ago. Um, and I had just gotten, uh, I was in the middle of a divorce, a messy divorce with a guy that was just, uh, very restrictive you know, it's a very, very restrictive religion. And then, so I said, I'm going to rebel. I'm going to rebel. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do something you hate, Chris. I'm going to do something you hate. Like work, gonna work at, at an Irish Hooters. <laughs> I'm going to work at an Irish Hooters to show you. So, I mean, that, that wasn't my passion clearly. So that's why I got fired from that job. Duh, because they could tell <laughs> that it was it wasn't more your of a calling revenge. In life. Yeah. It was just a revenge thing. That's a true story. You know, it's, it wasn't just a revenge. It was just a revenge thing for my ex-husband. And I was just, when I got fired from that job, it was like, oh, it was a it was a wake-up call. You know, and in many ways, it's very reminiscent of what we're going through now, which is like, you know, it's like a lot of people are probably hitting their rock bottom. That was my rock bottom. Okay. I didn't have savings then. I have savings now. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it forced me to really pivot. You know, I felt like I was backed into a corner and I I, I had to think outside the box. I had to. Like, what is like I I don't I didn't have a, a degree. I didn't have I've had no experience necessarily in the beauty industry. Um, and so I just, I just really needed to just freaking reinvent myself and to find something, something, because I didn't, I, I looked at myself in the mirror and I didn't like who I saw. I didn't like, I felt like I was like a shell of myself. I felt like I was this almost like caricature, just like looking for her identity and like just copying other people, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Filipino. And so like, it's the people that I saw who looked like me, this is why I feel like media representation is so important. The people who I saw who looked like me, who were in the limelight, quote unquote, and who were successful were import models, were the girls that were in Maxim magazine that worked at Hooters. And I was like that. So I looked at that and I said, 
oh, that I should, that's where I'm supposed to be. You know, 20, 27 years old, 28 years old, super impressionable. I was not like a normal, like, you know, late twenties or something like that. I was like 15 in my head. And I, <laughs> that's why I went down that route. It really was. And so, you know, when, when push came to shove and I, I hit rock bottom, I was like, what can I do? What can I do that's outside the box? And then I saw somebody did my permanent makeup and I looked at her life and she like, she looked like she was doing well. And I literally yanked that career out of my butthole. I did. I I just kind of just chose it kind of on a whim. I've, I've, you know, I was obviously guided now looking back at it because permanent makeup has truly changed my life. It really Mm -hmm. has. Um, And it's given me this opportunity to serve others in such a meaningful and fulfilling way. But back then when I chose it, it was weird. (laughs) It was weird. So when I told, you know, everyone around me that I'm like, I'm going to tattoo people's faces. This was, I mean, 10, like 10 years ago. And, you know, I still was, you know, still probably had like some form of Hooters uniform attire back then. (laughs) So telling people I have this new business idea, you know, I got some looks and I, and you know, I can't blame them for the most part. Um, But, you know, it's sometimes you just need to really hit rock bottom to, to, for the pain of staying stagnant to outweigh the pain of uh, risking failure. Mm-hmm. Like they're both painful. Of course they are. So you just need to pick, choose your heart, pick your pain, which, one? which and, one. So yeah. that's really interesting because I, I did some research on you and that story isn't <laughs> easily findable. So um, um, thank you very much for sharing that. Uh, because, okay. <laughs> and that was my main question. I was like, how did you, because it, you can see this, the story of you, you know, you created this, million dollar beauty business and now you're the successful coach and and speaker and everything but I was I couldn't find that initial origin of how you got into beauty in the first place so thank you so much for sharing that I really really appreciate that so so you you made this decision you're gonna go tattoo people's faces um and like you said you didn't have a degree back then so what what was it that drove you did you have a plan that you were gonna make this enormous um business out of this or was it literally just I'm going to do this and see what happens where where did any of that strategy come from because three years whilst in some cases a long period of time to go from nothing to a million dollars in a business in three years at that time that's huge so what drove you um, so this is this is where you got to get scrappy I really think that's why you know this this coronavirus season is really going to draw a lot of magic out of people that they, that was sleeping in them for a long time, because I didn't even know, I didn't even know that I was good at marketing. I didn't know that, you know, so so the universe, you know, God, whatever, will give you, will give you these clues. And I, and I had some of those clues growing up, but, um, it, it was never, I never had to actually like use them until I had to, because it meant not having a place to live, you know, it meant something like that. So, um, when I first, you know, thought of the idea of tattooing faces in my head, I was like, this is awesome. This is not marketed. And I didn't use these words back then. This isn't marketed the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually reached out to my Irish Hooter friends and I said, if I saw you doing this on social media, 
I think it would, you know, put a light bulb in my head that, oh, this isn't as weird as everybody thinks. Like, you know, my friend Marcella's doing this and she's, you okay. know. So um, I, I thought that the way it was presented was just, it just, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't very now. It wasn't very relevant. And so um, I, it's so crazy because what built my business were all of the connections that I made when I was like pursuing like import modeling and I was, you know, posing in bikinis and lingerie, you know what I mean? Those were the same connections. The photographers I used to do my campaign shoots for permanent makeup, the girls I met who were doing, you know, all this modeling, like it built like a, all these skills that I learned on the streets, right? Social Mm -hmm. media, you know, editing photos and, you know, website building. I built my, you know, first couple of websites myself, like all of it actually made sense. Oh, I, I went through that, you know, because for you needed this. it for this. Okay. Yeah. And, it, and cool. now Sheila Bella employs like <laughs> 20 plus people and they're like, Oh, thank God you went through that hard time. Thank God you met those, those, those people in those dark ages and, you are whoring yourself out a little bit, you know, <laughs> thank God, the valuable skills. And you would never, never, somebody told me back then that I was going to be where I am now would never have believed them. So that was kind of my next question. It was like, so did, I mean, clearly you didn't have this master plan. You just were like, right, I'm going to get scrappy. I've got to find, you know, I've got to pay the bills. I need somewhere to live. So you, you brought out the inherent marketer in you that was lying dormant. Um, you use the connections you had, you leveraged those. That was amazing. So it kind of, one thing led to another thing. And, so, but you didn't have this plan. And so th- this is the other question I have, because part of the reason I wanted to talk to you about this and, and when we initially spoke about this, um, I hear a lot of beauty business owners who are starting out or are quite new. And they say some version of, you know, I know I'm never going to be rich doing this, but I enjoy it. And I'm mm. like, well, Hey, I love that you're doing something that you enjoy. That's great. Wonderful. But if your belief is that you're never going to be rich, and rich can be a a number of things, don't get me wrong, it doesn't always have to be money. But if if that's your belief, then you're never going to get past there. You've already put yourself in a box. So my other question was, did you know or not know that it was or wasn't possible to have a million dollar beauty business? I didn't, I, that wasn't my aim. My aim at the time was to help my, you know, fiance at the time, mm-hmm. uh, pay rent. That was my aim. Um, but the inherent entrepreneur in me that I didn't even realize, um, was there, uh, just, just always was wanting to expand, Right. saw opportunity and, and got creative and got resourceful and it was just always wanting to expand and then it, it, that's the thing it was sooner or later well, it was like three three years in I hit a million dollar mark you know and mm-hmm. it was absolutely mind-blowing I remember the first time I hit uh, 20k in a month and I was like what yeah what and then I I mean that's for, for, you know, my, my lifestyle at the time, like, you know, it was just massive and I had no plans of going beyond that. And then I hit 60 K and then I hit a hundred K and I have to say like, you know, now being in the business for more than 10 years, it's, it's way more than just financial. 
Hmm. Now, yeah, it's, it's way more than that, you know, but um, so, so one of the things like uh, one of my good friends, Chris Harder says is when good people make good money, they do great things. Um, yeah. And so he, so it, and it's, and it's true because I think the misconception now being 10 years in the game, uh, with, with entrepreneurs and like bosses is like, oh, you know, there's this, there's this guy up in a chair up in the, on the, in the penthouse and he's smoking a cigar and he's stroking his cat. <laughs> Am I just, am I just, just, did I just describe Dr. Evil? I think okay, you did. Kind of. I think you're okay. the Dr. <laughs> Evil of the BC world. <laughs> That's just how it is. And they don't, they don't care about their people and everything, you know, the big man in the sky. Right. You know, but like us, if you're, if you're in charge of something, if you're, if you're the boss of, of anything, you know, that you take on so much responsibility and, you know, we work really hard to keep our people employed. And for me, what I didn't know, what I didn't know in the beginning um, is that entrepreneurship was going to be a crash course, not necessarily in finances, but it was a crash course in relationships first and foremost. Mm-hmm. It was a crash course in relationships with, with you know, your, your clients, your employees, with your friends, with your family. That's, that's also very telling. <laughs> but number one, you learn way more about your relationship with yourself how you True. are with you when you're yes. alone. It's, it's so I have to say like, there's a lot of people who looked at me back then. Um, and then, you know, who knew me back then and then meet me again. Now I've like run into them or something like that. And they're like, Whoa, they're really shocked. They're really sur- like surprised. And I'm kind of not insulted by it. I kind of am not because I know how different I was. And the, the number one thing that changed me was responsibility. That's why I'm so, I so believe in giving my children responsibility, like having them feel the consequences because it's what changed me. So, um, I, I get it, you know? So like, once you have that kind of some, something huge to take care of, like you, your, your higher self has to show up. You, you become the woman or the man that you need to become once, once the situation is in front of you. And now you have to trust that. You have to trust that you will just turn into that person. So if like, you're afraid to jump, if you're afraid to start the business, if you're afraid to do, you will just, it will be for, you will be forced to, to, to be bigger. You just will. And that, that person will arrive who you need to be. Love it. That's amazing. But I totally get that. And, and yes, um, on board with all that, but I know so we mentioned there, we've mentioned these numbers a little bit. Um, and I do want to stick with the money for a second because I know that there's people Let's out there it. listening who are like, I, I'm wherever I am at the moment. I'm, I'm either doing uh, beauty at home. I've got a small salon. I've got a small team, those kind of things. And they just can't even wrap their heads around that kind of number. So just mm. quickly describe to us, what does a million dollar beauty business actually look like overhead (laughs) overhead (laughs) in many ways yeah so like you know when they say more money more problems oh yeah like that's that's a real thing if you um so uh i all i always coach my clients into keeping in mind 
um, that there's a big difference between gross and net, right? Yeah. Gross, you know, I say, uh, you know, it's the way the way I, I can help people remember it is like gross is, it's disgusting. It's just like <laughs> the number. It's the number. And I think a lot of people talk about how much they make, you know, that's the overall number. And there's something about that. You, I mean, it's hard to sell a million dollars of anything, right? But then the net is what you catch, is what you keep that's really what's, I, I think, you know, the, the real story. Mm. Um, what do you keep? I don't keep, um, there's not a million dollars in my bank account right now. Okay? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> it's not just sitting there. Um, so, so I think it's really being mindful that, yeah, it's a great vanity metric. It is a great vanity metric, but you know, what you do with it, is really, I think, what counts if your goal is financial stability and security. And yeah, having a having a nest egg for for times such as this that are uncertain. Um, but I I think that for I, I hope that you know sharing a lot of my vulnerabilities and my story would um, can relate to a lot of uh, beauty entrepreneurs who might be listening. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us who um, started you know who who took on this this beauty entrepreneurship journey, I think we can all say that we feel a little bit underestimated, you know, but, and, um, for a lot of people listening, not everybody, but for a lot of people listening, like you may have um, decided to go into the beauty industry because you're like me, you didn't want, you don't want to study chemistry and law and history and it's cool for, for a lot of us, not all of us. Um, and so you, for me, the motivation was I wanted to make and I wanted to live the same type of lifestyle that a doctor or lawyer would live um, without having to go to school. For me, this was my shortcut. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do something that I love doing. Um, and yeah, to, to think... So for in the beginning part of my permanent makeup career, um, I was basically renting my time for money. Just yeah. me. I was working like 12 hours a day, no joke. I just, I, was, I thought this was going to go away. And I was like, I was like, I, I busted my butt really like six days a week, six days a week, 12 hours a day. It was just me, myself and I, and this, you know, little permanent makeup studio next door to my parents' tool shop. And, um, and yeah, I, it was just me. This is going to go. So, and then, you know, um, I, I was raised in a family of entrepreneurs, actually. My parents are immigrants from the Philippines. And, um, and so my dad kind of like, you know, forced, uh, encouraged me to think bigger. And so I was like, what, how much more money can I make and how much more time, which is more valuable, I think, can I enjoy you know, being with my fiance and my family, um, if I could duplicate myself. Yes. And that is what started um, the wheels turning in my head of hiring other artists. Mm -hmm. And I actually trained one of my first clients. She was my first employee. Nice. She was my... Yeah. She was my first employee. You know, uh, you know, you, when you do permanent makeup, you spend like three hours with the same person and then they mm -hmm. share their stories and their struggles. You feel like, you know, they become your best friends. And she was looking for a pivot in her life. So no beauty background, not necessarily an artistic background, but I was like, Hey, and neither did I. And so I trained her and she became one of my artists. And once I got over the fear and the hurdle of hiring one, Mm -hmm. 
then adding became easier. So, you know, two, two artists became three and then four and then 15 artists. Wow. 15 artists at one point. From Um, one location? From, no, two locations. Two locations. Okay. Two, two locations. Um, one in North Hollywood and one in Beverly Hills. So that I think that's the thing. I think when people maybe look at my team now and they're like, oh, all these like, you know, PMU boss babes, like we have, we, we, it's, it's really great what we have now, but I think people don't realize that in order to get here, it started with risking, just letting go with, with, it started small with just like one artist, just one artist. And then you can think about, you know, yeah. doing two. And and so, you know, nobody's forcing you to have this like whole, you know, 20, 20 person like crew now, but you know, just starting small, you can. And yeah. um, the opportunities that, you know, just, just having an expertise in something and in, in anything, you know, gives you can, is literally limitless. Mm. Um, especially now with the internet, you know, I've, I've, and then I took that and then I, I realized that, you know, oh, I could teach this to people. And I felt like it would be so selfish to not share this with people because there's so many people struggling right now with filling up their books. And the next natural step after that was teaching people how to do it. And You know, the rest is history and I talk too much. No, no, no. And that's exactly what I wanted because I think a lot of people gloss over a lot of this stuff. And, you know, those, the successful people in the world, you don't see their backstory. You just sort of suddenly hear the, hear of them. They they become successful. You don't see all that hard work behind the scenes. And I think very rarely do people actually dive into the, the awkward, um, messy bits of it and, and how one step led to another. And there was a quote going through my mind there when when you were talking about, and I'm gonna. I always get quotes wrong off the, off the cuff, but <laughs> it's 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 something along the lines of whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. You're right. Um, I love that. And it's that. It's it's a lot of the stuff that I know. I know you do, and I I do in my boot camp as well. Um, is just to nudge people slightly into out of their comfort zone because as soon as you are pushed slightly out of your comfort zone, your comfort mm. zone gets bigger. So. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it, and, and you've just kind of accelerated your way through it. So that, that first hire that you took on was a massive step for you, <laughs> but then you were like, okay, well, I can do this. And yeah. you, had, you had a good experience, which is great, but that gave you the confidence to go, well, I'll do it again and again and again. And I'm sure that after like third or fourth one, you were like, well, this is easy now. This is entirely within my my scope of capability. So what's next? What's the next thing? Mm-hmm. And that's that's mm-hmm. clearly your personality type of like, okay, well, I've done that now three times. I can do that whenever I want. What's yeah. the next <laughs> challenge? What's the next big thing I can do? So yeah. that is, thank you so much. Again, thank you for sharing that because I do, I, I find a lot of, certainly on podcasts when people are doing interviews, they, they sort of gloss over certain things. And I did, I really wanted to kind of dive into that and, and pull that out of you. So thank mm. you. Um, mm. So um, a couple of questions I just wanted to ask about that journey. You know, I, I think doing that in three years from not having anything to do in the beauty business, the beauty <laughs> industry at all to hitting that is, is very, very quick. But I did want to ask you, what, what do you think you did right? Like one thing that you did right that got you such success in that space of time? Um, acting before I was ready over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm doing it to this day. It's just, 
Yeah. I love what you said about how when you go outside your comfort zone, your comfort zone gets bigger because now I am more comfortable with acting before I'm ready and I do it every day. So initially was that, what was that driven by initially? Was that any sort of experience you'd had? Was it just necessity? (laughs) Necessity and um, maybe just uh, past experience. Uh, you know, um, I don't know. I I have a background in acting and musical theater and I kind of just like took that skill and be like, well, you need to be a boss now. So I'm like, okay, I'm I'm going to act like a boss now. An element of fake it till you make it. There there was, and you know what, there's a huge element of, um, cause they teach this in acting, which is, you know, the, as if, you know, act as if, Mm. And then, so I remember in the beginning of my career, um, (laughs) I just even like a month or two in, you know, I was nobody. I had no clients, nothing. So I I remember, what what do I always say now? I always say grind like you're broke, show up like you're made. Um, Because that's what I did. I had, I acted as if I had the, the, best permanent makeup, most luxurious permanent makeup studio in all of Los Angeles. I acted as if, and I believed that I could give that luxury service even just by myself. And so the way I introduced myself, you know, in the beginning at like networking events, like I went to chamber of commerce meetings and at parties and things like that, anywhere I could to get the word out that this was now my new identity. I presented myself in that way. I built my own website on WordPress before it was so easy now to do it on Wix and everything. I learned like coding and, you know, in my old apartment, 900 square foot apartment. And, um, you know, even my website was as if I had, um, you know, I had an assistant that was me. It's it's, it's (laughs) me after six (laughs) o'clock. It was, it was Brittany. Brittany sometimes still, you know, finds herself answering the phone at Chula Bella, you know, pre-coronavirus. Really, like, and every, everyone knows that if Brittany took a message, it was Sheila Bella. And um, now everybody knows that, you know, so it's, I, I acted as if, and I, I, I don't even know if that was necessary, so to speak, but I suppose the mindset really helped get me to where I am um, because you, you have to show up for the job that you want. You know, they say dress for the job you want, you know, to show up for the job that you want, not for the job that you have. And um, I, I think that's key. Love that. So the flip side of that question, then what would you have done differently? If you could go back and do any bit of it again, what would you have done differently? Ooh, good question. Um, I would have shared sooner. I would have been vulnerable sooner. I was shared to share all of these insecurities and all of these things, you know, back then, even just four years ago, I was, sh- I was scared. Um, but now I know that vulnerability, there's a real currency in that, uh, because everybody feels like they're in middle school, even the most beautiful, successful, rich people in the whole world. Like we're all in middle school. Come on. Don't yeah. lie to me. Someone, someone said to me recently, <laughs> Facebook is basically high school. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's just a big popularity contest. <laughs> it is. So, um, and, and uh, yeah, I, I would have shared more. I, not only would I have shared what was, you know, going on with me personally, more, not only would I have been more vulnerable, I think I would have shared my secrets sooner. 
you know, it's, it's really does come back to you. Like give it away for free. Like don't charge for it, you know, to help. I, I really think that, um, the, the real, the real reward for me now is impact. So yeah, yeah that's what I would have done differently. I was cool. so scared. So scared. What do you think? What do you think that would have changed now? If you had done that, what, where do you think that would have changed where you are now? I think I missed out on helping a lot of people. So I didn't feel like I could be a coach back then because I didn't feel like I, 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 I was afraid of competition. Mm. And so yes, afraid of competition. I was, I was, I, I really thought that success was finite. I thought that like, if I share this, then I'll be taken out. You know, I was really acting in a place of fear. And the only person that that was limiting was myself. <laughs> Truly. I would have done what you're doing a lot sooner because, oh my, oh my goodness. Like that's, that's, that's the thing I, that I misunderstood was, uh, the uh, mentality of scarcity. I thought that there was only so much to go around. Yeah. Um, but that's not true. Like also if you're looking at it, even for, from, um, just a pure strategical point of view, the biggest, the biggest leaders of the beauty industry are those who create other leaders. Yeah. Look at Paul Mitchell. So, I mean, yeah, I got that one wrong. <laughs> Not wrong. You got there. You got there. You just... I, got, I got there. I <laughs> eventually. <A> bit late. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my next question then is, do you think anyone can have uh, not anyone. Do you think anyone who's passionate about what they do in the beauty industry, who truly is there from a point of serving and cares about their clients, do you think anyone like that can have a six or even a seven figure beauty business? Definitely. I think with the right. Um, so uh, I really, I truly believe in the power of community mm-hmm. um, and tribe. Um, so I definitely think so. It's, but you have to draw from the expertise of the people um, who whose expertise you don't have, whose 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 gifts are elsewhere, outside of like the the current gifts that you have. So mm-hmm. I think hiring coaches and mentors are important. Whether it's me or Adam, like you know, find a mentor. And I I think yeah, as long as that, it's only me or Sheila, it's fine. Yeah. No one else. <laughs> Just us, or else Just you're us. Sure. <laughs> Just flip a coin, either me or Sheila. You're good. <laughs> but I mean, so but anybody has, you know, like anybody who has an entrepreneurial friends, like you can find them. Um, I think the thing though that is, I, I think the the constant. Um, common denominator isn't just passion, isn't just talent. I think the constant denominator though, for anybody who wants to have a six or seven figure beauty business is the willingness to fail. You have yes. to be, you have, you just really need to be willing to, to mess it all up. And then, because failure is just data. If you don't personify it, if you don't let it hit you, and really, you just need to see it as data. And, you know, I'm sure, sure you know this, like, you know, the most successful people are the ones who've like, who've failed the most. I think Kobe Bryant has missed the most shots mm-hmm. out of, and, but he's also made the most. So, um, it's, that's the common denominator. There's normally, there's, well, as I say, normally there's a, a sign waiting to go up on this wall back here. There's a bunch of quotes that I, I've had made this, that will go up at some point when I have some time, but one of them is just the word fail. And it's, first attempt in learning 
Yes, I love it. I love it. I can't even remember where I got that from, but it's so true. It's so true. If you're not willing to fail, if you're not willing to put yourself out there and screw something up royally, (laughs) but learn from it, then you're never going to reach where you could be. And I think that is such a powerful lesson to learn. Agree, agree. So the next thing I wanted to ask you, so slightly putting aside the very strange situation we find ourselves in right now, <laughs> um, let's let's Aww. pretend that this particular coronavirus didn't happen and we're just in a, in a normal 2020. We're in March. <laughs> hang on, no, we're in April. A normal 2020. <laughs> Imagining yeah. the world hasn't ended. Um, what would be your top three tips... Let's okay. say for someone who is just just starting out in their beauty business journey, um, do not underestimate the number one. Do not underestimate the value of giving away free work. Okay, that's how I I I think that's another thing that I got right. I gave away so much free work, especially in the beginning, and you need to start there. Okay. Um, and to the right people. Uh, number two, educate yourself. Mm. Educate yourself. Like, is uh, is if you're if you're lacking, you know, marketing skills or or anything that has to do with your technique or artistry, like you need you need to invest. Yeah. You need to invest and spend the time before you launch to to know it. Um, and number three, you need a launch. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just, don't just collect information. Implementation (laughs) is everything. So yeah. And you need to treat as, and here's the thing too, because, you know, a lot of people get into the beauty business thinking like, Oh, I want to be my own boss. The key word there is boss. You need to boss yourself around. So your own CEO. Yeah. My calendar, right. Is like, is, is you, you, it tells me what to do. It orders me around. It says 7 a.m. I need to have my fake lashes on and, and everything. And so I'm like, ah. you know, so you got you to gotta treat it like that. Yeah. So um, the, those are the top three things definitely that I would, I would say. And um, I can elaborate on them. No, no, they're good. I wanted quick fire things on that one because I wanted to move on to the next thing, which interestingly, you said there about have a launch. Now, my next question is going to be, well, actually, I'm going to come on to that in a second because you said something in uh, when we were organizing doing this uh, recording, uh, when we were were recording middle of the night voice messages (laughs) to each other with with me, Um, you said a phrase that I don't know whether you just came out with, but it's... I thought it was incredible. It really spoke to me. It's, you said, now is the time. It's mm-hmm. your audition for leadership. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I love that. And what, it, what do you mean by that? So that quote actually came from Naval Ravikant. Okay. Um, and he says, uh, leadership at every level. Oh, sorry. This season is basically where leadership at every level is going to matter. It is the audition. The next few months is the audition for leadership for those who will lead in the coming years. I'm butchering the quote, but I mean, it's just, I heard it once in the middle of the night, you know, a few weeks ago, and it just really stuck with me because I mean that now is when it really matters. 
It really does. And there are there are people who are showing up now. I'm seeing a lot of creativity in our industry who've never shown up before. Um, and I, you know, it's like when you are when you're down and out, we're all feeling it. That's why pettiness, by the way, is canceled. That's another one of my sayings. Like you can't like if they're canceling all of our clients, we can't be petty right now. I'm sorry. Right. Pettiness is canceled. Um, so right now is the time when it really matters. Anything you do right now, big or small, is going to last. And right now people um, are looking for, are looking to lean on their community. Um, and right now I think the, it matters more for you to show up. And I think it means more for you to show up, especially when you're hurting, um, because we're all hurting, you know, it's like just the fact that you and I are on this podcast, I'm looking at you and I'm like, of course, of course, you know, Adam's affected, but he's still showing up. I think that's so, that's so vital to, um, you know, uh, to leadership in the coming years. I, I do. I totally agree with that. And I think leadership nowadays, maybe to some people think it's this big, huge thing, you know, you've got to be out there leading a a, a movement, but you know, leadership doesn't have to be, you know, leading hundreds of thousands of people. Leadership can just be being there for your people, for your clients, for your staff, for your team. Um, and yeah, it's, I do. I love that quote. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you said it, so I'm, you know, crediting you with that quote. Great. But yeah, Great. Thanks, Naval. Yeah. <laughs> Sheila Bell. So, I'm going that one. so my next, my next, my second to last question that I've got for you is, um, I probably shouldn't, I probably should have warned you about this, but I'm, I'm keen to get your, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Right. Don't worry. And, but how do you think this situation is going to change our industry? permanently moving forward mm. and do you uh, think it's going to change have any permanent effects absolutely absolutely so number one unfortunately i think that there will be more bankruptcies mm -hmm. than there are deaths that come out of this it's like one like one to a thousand bankruptcies um and I think you and I were chatting about this, but there are a lot of businesses that are not going to be able to recover. Yep. And that's the, that's the reality. Businesses yep. that, you know, were not prepared, uh, businesses that aren't established, um, are gonna, are gonna go away. Um, and I do think that there will be this season, this season, we're going to see a lot of bankruptcies, but we're also going to see a lot of new entrepreneurs emerge out of this season. Um, my guess is it's going to be a lot of online businesses. Uh, people are, we're being forced to get creative. Mm. Uh, we're, you know, we're humans. We, we crave connection on, you know, it, in this paleolithic like level, right? It's in our DNA and uh, we, we will find it and humans are finding it. I mean, you're in the UK, I'm in Los Angeles and we're connecting even right now. So I think too, that the whole unsung hero in this whole thing is the internet. I mean, yeah. it is keeping us sane. I mean, I mean can you in, imagine if this had happened in the 80s? five years ago? <laughs> Even five years ago, we do we don't you know the tools that we have. I mean, we're on Zoom at the moment. That's I mean, true. Zoom Zoom is the winner out of this. I mean, seriously, absolutely. But, um, 
But, uh, you know, even five years ago, it would not have been anywhere near as easy as this for us to keep in contact with people. We didn't have the availability of online ordering that we have now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it weirdly feels like, and I may get grief for this, but you know, it weirdly feels like it waited until we had a, a perfect time, time. to be able to continue <laughs> going and connect before it went, right, we, we're going to yeah. dump a terrible virus on you, but we're going to hold off <laughs> just until... Zoom got, gets all its kinks worked out. Until most of you have got fiber broadband, so, which is which is a terrible thing to say. I know that, but it it, it weirdly does feel like okay. Well, wow. you know, strange. Anyway, so yeah. That's, no, that's I I I mean I agree with you, and I might get grief for that too. But yeah, we're we are so blessed. We're so mm-hmm. blessed to live in such a time as this. You know, this is absolutely incredible. Yeah, uh, it really is, and terrible. You know, I'm terrible. And, yeah, I mean, it, and not terrible. A, I, feel, I feel like the last few things that I have done <laughs> on, I did a couple of lives in my groups, the, the the bits that I could, much shorter ones than normal. But I was like, look, I'm going to come at this with positivity and I'm going to come up with this with a little bit of humor. That is not to say I am belittling this situation where it's serious and I know people are affected and I know people mm. are dying and people are going to lose loved ones, but yeah. it is happening. And if we cannot, you know, bring some, some sanity and some humor to this situation, then we may as well give up now kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so that's, that's my little caveat. We are not making fun of the situation that we are no. being positive and just saying, let's be thankful for everything that we do have that is enabling us to actually make it through this situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm with you. So my second question, my last question, I suppose my second question of that bit was back to your thing about uh, have a launch. If you were starting out normally, have a launch. What is your view on how people in the business, in the beauty business world that do make it through, that can open on the other side of this, how are you seeing people approach that? Is it just a case of opening your doors and carrying on as if it didn't happen? Or are you kind uh-huh. of thinking, you know, make a big deal, have a relaunch? Um, so I say, make it a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm extra, but if you were to have a choice between the two, um, I, I really think that as soon as they allow us to open our doors, it, it's going to be very emotional. Hmm. I think for a lot of us. And, um, so I say, be human, be real. You know, one of my biggest regrets was not being vulnerable. If it's a big deal to you, if it feels like it's a big deal to you, be real, say it, say it. Yeah. You know, I, I think I'm going to hug my first, I'm definitely going to give my first clients a, a huge hug, you know, once I get back into the studio. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think what we're experiencing right now is collective trauma. That's yeah. why, you know, it's, it's, it's so binding in many ways. Um, and if we're going to have collective trauma, let's also celebrate collectively once this is all over. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that and I'm sure it'll be, it'll, you know, it'll be in various creative forms as well. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. It's, I don't think we can ever go on personally business as usual. Yeah. You know, the whole world has been changed from this. I mean, that's never happened before. There will be there will be residue from this, and hopefully, positive residue. 
And we're going to, you know, look back on the days where we had to, we had to stay in our comfortable homes with our gardens and with my swimming pool and, you know, with my, my, you know, so we're going to look back on those days. And I, I think there will definitely be some key takeaways from this, such as slowing down and appreciating uh, what we have more. So love it. Love it. Sheila, thank you so much. It's been so much fun at doing our little pod swap, spending the last, wow, nearly a couple of hours together. (laughs) Oh, this was awesome. Thank you again for having me. So we've already, we've talked, we mentioned the Pretty Rich podcast. Um, Mm. Where else can people track you down and socially stalk you? Mm, I love stalkers. I'll stalk (laughs) you back. I'm sick that way. Um, Real Sheila Bella on Instagram. I try to answer every direct message. I'm very reachable. Real Sheila Bella on Instagram. My website is SheilaBella.com. And come check out Adam's episode on the Pretty Rich Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts. Yeah, do it. If you listen listen to it back to back, if you listen to Sheila's first and then mine, you'll literally have spent the last couple of hours with us. Yeah, it'll and then it'll make sense too. Yeah. So probably got progressive. I probably got progressively more and more delirious. As <laughs> me too. It is. I've no idea what time in the middle of the night it is right yeah, now. Yeah. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> and you have to be a dad tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to get up. Uh, my son will probably wake me up about six o'clock in the morning because he's Aww. just lovely that way. But um, yeah. No, it'll be great fun. But no, Aww. Sheila, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for making the time to be on the podcast. And uh, I very much hope to keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Until Cheers. next time. Bye. Bye. So a huge thanks to Sheila for sharing her time with us on the show today. It's rare to find someone so open and so honest. And I hope you, my dear listener, found inspiration from today's episode. Now, if you want to find out more about Sheila, then just check out the show notes pages for this episode at beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash episode 87, where you'll find all of the links that you need. Now, next week, we are starting a little bit of a mini series of episodes focused on a key part of your beauty business that I've noticed has been increasingly overlooked by the vast majority of beauty professionals over the last 18 months to two years. Now, this is something that is essential to your success in today's world, something that if you don't have properly in place is not only costing you money, and I'm talking about serious money, but could even prove fatal to your business. Now, to find out what it is, well, you're going to have to tune in to the next episode. But needless to say, stick with us for the next few weeks. And not only will you find out exactly what I'm talking about, but I'm going to share with you everything you need to know and how to put everything in place properly. And I guarantee you it's going to make you more money. So I'll be back again soon. Speak to you in a bit.